This podcast is sponsored by Now Alchemy, an amazing company that is changing the way we look at health and wellness. Now Alchemy is using uh, monatomic gold and ormus, which is sourced from two ocean sources, the Dead Sea and the Himalayan Sea. Ormus is a powerful combination, a liquid known as the golden food for the gods. And in ancient Egyptian times, it was known as the light elixir. This energy not only shifts and brings back the dimensions of your body, but allows your entire light body to expand. Any particle breakdown inside of your system becomes repaired. It opens up your third eye, increases manifestation potential, balances the left and right hemisphere of your brain, and increases brain capacity. And that's not the best part of it. The very best part of it is actually enhancing your shamanic abilities, such as increased dream lucidity, being able to feel the energies that are around you, and being able to balance both your chakras and your internal and external Internal world increases your human biomagnetic sheath, known as your aura, and relieves stress and anxiety. Now, this is something you have to try. So go ahead and check out Now Alchemy, a sponsor of the Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Thank you and enjoy the show. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years, and with those stories came the emotional, spiritual and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third-generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. It is... Nothing short than amazing and great on every level to be able to be aware of the greatness that is showing up for all of us right now. All of the things that we have been going through in our lives are being cleared right now as we speak. Everything that we have been experiencing, the things that the turmoils, the, the tensions, the, you know, all of the, the things that we've been holding on to has been cleared in our life right now. And it's so powerful, tribe. You know, I was meditating last night and I got a strong message from the spirits and they want me to tell the tribe that they all the spirits are working very, very clear in our lives right now um, for our tribe to support us and really lifting ourselves up and being able to step into this place of deep self-love, this deep nurturing, this deep place of embracing our shadow, embracing our wound and not turning around and looking at the world, our people people and casting judgment because we can't until we are fully embracing ourselves so we can see with clear eyes and, and, and with true vision. And that's what I call true vision. True vision is the ability to heal from oneself from within so that what you see from your perception of your life and what you see from your eyes is the true glory of the true heaven on earth, the true beauty that's before you, the true opulence, the true joy, the true passion, that it's all present in your experience because you're looking with true vision. You're seeing with true vision because you've done the internal work of embracing and loving yourself. And so it is through that self-love, it is through that 
that beautiful embracing of self and being okay with all of the, you know, uh, painful things. And, you know, yes, things have happened and things weren't fair and things and all of these things, but not like what, what we do as humans in the past is that we, we barricade those things and we lock them up and push them aside. And what we need to do is embrace them and nurture them and care for them and love them and handle it with care. Right. We have to handle ourselves with care. And so the wonderful brother that I have coming on, Young Pueblo, he is a full acknowledgement of that bliss of self journey inward. Right. Because there's a lot of times we think everything has to be hard and difficult. And what he's here to do is lighten you up. Right? He's here to lighten you up and to, to just lift the density, to lift all of those weights, to lift the heaviness out of your being, out of your mind, out of your spirit with his words, with his poetry, with the way he speaks, the way that he brings real consciousness on the, the, the value of self-love and the acknowledgement of embracing that. And so to have him today on Soul Talk with the tribe is such an honor. It is an honor with all the graces that all of life can bring because he is a true spirit of this message. And he is my brother and he is here to share with the tribe, to enlighten, to inspire, and to lift us out of the Maya, out of the Maya, and out of that energy that we that that humans like to swim in, which is the Maya consciousness, and into this place of being a breath of fresh air to yourself. So I am so happy to bring on the wonderful and powerful and very insightful Young Pueblo. Hey, brother. <laughs> thank, you for the, thank you for the very nice introduction. Of so course. good to speak to you face to face. Yes, absolutely. Well, you deserve that introduction and so much more. You know, you, you know, it's very important right now, you know, your beingness on this planet and the words that you share with people. And what I really love the most about it is that, you know, a lot of times people don't understand that how just the power in word can actually break and shift and like completely bring you into a metamorphosis of change within the self-love quality of the human nature just by reading words. And that's why I always try to tell people like, mind your words, be aware of your words because they have power. So tell us, how did you embark on this journey, my love? Let's see. Well, it started about five and a half years ago. I did my first, well, really, I mean, when I was about 15, I, I started organizing, doing a lot of youth activism back when I was 15 years old in Boston, where I was growing up. Ever since I was small, I was always really enamored by the idea of freedom and liberation. And at first, you know, like most of us, it was a very material idea. Um, you know, we have to change the world. There are so many things like I know I've seen, um, how, you know, you're a serious activist yourself. There's a lot of things that our world needs to change. But um, as I was moving forward, I noticed that, you know, we would win different campaigns, but there was a lot that was still missing. And it wasn't until when I was about 24, I think, and I took my first Vipassana meditation course. And it was a 10-day silent course. And it just really showed me the internal dynamics of liberation. 
And that just, you know, just blew me, blew the doors wide open. And I really started to see how much work I had to do to liberate myself and, you know, how much uh, effort and also how, though it may be hard work, the returns of that work were immense, you know, like it was just so, so, so worth my effort to, um, you know, constantly be going inward, continuing with the journey, even when it was difficult. And I would just get so much back in return. And uh, it was after a few courses when I started realizing that, you know, I don't know everything, of course. I'm still learning. I'm in the middle of my journey. But there are some things that I've, um, some understandings that I've felt that I should really intellectualize some of the experiences I was having through poetry, through quotes. And I felt that it could help people shift their perspectives, you know, because a lot of what we're doing, like what you were saying is changing the way that we, the way we speak, changing the way we think. And there's a lot, a lot of power in the words that are happening in our minds and how we see things, how we see ourselves. And it just feels really important to shift human thought right now. So I'm just trying to do in my little corner of the universe, you know, trying to help people see things in a little bit of a different way. And let's see, let's remove the word trying because you are doing that, right? And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm very much into um, wordsmithing or wording up. I believe that, you know, when I was a kid, I used to pay attention to what, you know, my, I had a stepmother and I used to watch how she would say things to me and my sister and what I would feel afterwards after what she would say, yeah. you know, and I started noticing that you know, it's not the, the, the things that, you know, when people say like sticks and stones may hurt, but words will never hurt me. I was like, whoever wrote that was completely off because, totally. you know, because words hurt way more than sticks and stones, you know, <laughs> <laughs> words are, words are very, very triggering. They can really bring up sides of yourself that you may have not even been ready to deal with. That's so right. Can, I like to think of us, you know, when we're, um, when we're hanging out with other people, it's almost like we're fishermen in a way, you know, fishermen and fisherwomen. And we're just like taking our, our, our little stick and throwing it inside of each other and seeing what we'll bring up, you know, because with our words, with our actions, I mean, it's just such a big mirror and reflection that you can really see sides of yourself that, you know, you may not have been ready to see. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I always tell people like when someone compliments me and says like, oh, you're so beautiful, Shaman Dirk. Oh, I really love you. I'm like, I'm so glad you love you. I'm so glad you see the beauty in you. <laughs> I, was just, I was just telling my wife the same thing. I was like, you know, when I get compliments, it's really interesting. Like personally, from my understanding, like I'm such a uh, fast changing composition that has come together as an individual that, you know, to say that I created inward my book or like I'm making these words, you know, I don't necessarily believe that this is just something that's coming through me for sure. But when people compliment me, I'm glad that they can have that spectrum of themselves open. You know, it's, it's beautiful because if you can see beauty in me, you can see beauty in others, you can see beauty in the world around you. So I actually think it's a pretty positive thing when we're treating each other so positively through our words. Absolutely. And I love what you said too, because one of my mottos that I always tell people is that I don't walk in front of you. I walk with you. And I, and I yeah. think it's important because a lot of times when people will, will thank me for the knowledge and the wisdom that I share because of my training as a shaman. And I say, look, I'm just a conduit for spirit to be able to move through. These are, this belongs to everyone, <laughs> you know? I was, I was talking with, um, I was hanging out with, uh, Allison Charles and um, Alexandra Roxo this weekend. And when we were talking with Saudi Simone too, and I was just like, listen, like I am a traffic cop. That's all I am. I'm just saying, 
go go that way you know if, if anything like that's about it because you know that I, I think that people are getting a lot out of the things that i'm writing for sure a- am i really real i don't i don't necessarily think so <laughs> you, you know in this moment yeah you're the traffic cop and i'm the janitor and i'm the <laughs> messenger you know i always tell yeah. people that's what i that's that's my job i'm the delivery guy and i'm the janitor i clean up mess yeah. and i deliver the message and that's it and I love that because ultimately that's what I really feel. I felt that, you know, through my journey and putting these things into words that, you know, was helping me to see these things formalized, but it really is all here for inspiration, you know, because I can't heal you. My words can't heal you, but the things that they inspire you to do, you know, it's you lifting yourself up into a new version of yourself. And I think that's where the real power lies. And I feel like I wrote something about that the other day, you know, the real healers, they bring you back to your power. And Absolutely. Absolutely. That's why I don't believe in guru consciousness. I don't believe in guru and, you know, and guru guru behavior, as I would say, Um, because I feel like it takes away from the person being able to see the power that lies within them. It's I, I always say that it's important for someone to see the inspiration that's in them and then them to find that inspiration and utilize that power for the benefit of themselves, which then will bring the benefit to others. So what do you feel about, what do you feel? I want to ask you a question. What sure. do you feel about how people keep looking outside of themselves to feel complete, to feel a sense of if they're putting their energy on the outside and doing all these things for people all over the world, that that is actually giving them some sense of love? What would you say to these people? I think that that's a, a normal tendency of the mind. You know, it's not, the mind isn't accustomed to really fully owning itself. And it, it makes sense because it takes a lot of, a lot of um, you know, you have to put in the work to be able to fully accept how much power you really have. And, you know, I, I went through that phase. I know many people have gone through that phase and where we're, you know, trying to ex- take in all that positivity and all that love from, you know, outside agents. But ultimately, when you really start that inward journey, that's one of the big things that hits you. And it's like, whoa, like I have so much power and I need to start reclaiming my power constantly, you know, constantly deciding and, you know, allowing that space before we actually act to become bigger and bigger, because that's really a a lot of the time where we reclaim our power, because, you know, different things will happen, different things will trigger us to act a very particular way. And that's what happens because the mind will start accumulating so many patterns that it'll predispose you to anger, it'll predispose you to sadness or to really intense reactions. But when you start sort of cultivating that space in the mind and allowing it to be bigger, a split second can become a little longer. You know, it can feel a little longer. And when you can start thinking to yourself, you know, hmm, I've acted in this way in the past, but you know what? That really hasn't served me. So let me let me try to do something a little different this time because it's just, you know, it's time to bring my higher self forward. And it's something that, um, you know, it's really tough to accept 100% of responsibility for yourself. It's really, really, um, it's a big one. But I think the most, the freest beings we've had, you know, people like Jesus, like the Buddha, you know, um, the really, really high, high, high level people, they accepted full responsibility for themselves. And I think it's a little difficult to understand, especially, you know, even for myself, I was just, you know, talking to, uh, to my wife on the phone and we were, you know, having a discussion and she said something and, I said something and we were both like, you know, getting a little heated. And then it was like, wait, you know, when then we, the, the moment we started realizing what was happening and just started really 
taking, doing our individual best to de-escalate the situation was when we were like, oh, you know, we totally fell into the Maya for a second. We totally fell into the illusion yeah, yeah. and um, and started, you know, reclaiming our power and then took responsibility for what we both said. But there's, you know, there's just so much freedom in that, so much freedom in really reclaiming our power. And I think that's one of the big things for this, these hundred years that are ahead of us, because, you know, one of the reasons why I write under the name Young Pueblo is because it literally means young people. And I really feel that humanity as a whole, as a collective, it's we're really young and um, absolutely. we have a lot of growing up to do. Yes, absolutely. And I wanted to take a point that you said because I found it very poignant and I want to go into it just a little bit deeper. You mentioned about people taking responsibility and honoring and, and, and that it's you know hard for them to take that responsibility or it's difficult to take that responsibility. And what I was looking at was when you were talking about how you and your wife were going through the situation. And I, and I wanted to draw a point into that because a lot of times what happens is that people, they have this part of themselves that they still hold on to this, this idea that if they don't know something or if they're not right about something, they're not loved or seen or valued. And so what happens is when they go into a conversation, instead of like, and we have, I have this word, it's called Talmuntu. And Talmuntu means being able to love and respect the person you're speaking with, as well as loving and respecting yourself and also loving and respecting the invisible, meaning like the spirit world. And so the state of Talmuntu is the idea of that when someone is communicating with you, you are staying in a place of love and realizing that you're not, there's no lack, there's no limitation when you're staying in that place of love because you're not feeling threatened by what that person is saying. A lot of times arguments come because the other person feels threatened that whatever they feel, whatever they believe is going to be ripped and robbed from them. And, you know, and so, so it, it's interesting. And I always, you know, when I look at life, I mean, when I was a kid, um, I always used to look at like all the different people in the world who had created these wonderful um, changes in consciousness. And I used to always say, I, I aspire to love like Jesus. And so, you know, because I felt, I feel like how difficult is it really to love someone, to just really embrace them, to really see that they exist. And the fact that yeah. they exist yeah. in itself is so worth loving, you know, mm -hmm. and like to be able to just witness that. And so it's like that energy of like the self being reflected in you or reflected in me. So what I always say to people is when you're hugging someone, when you're loving someone, when you're embracing, when you're serving, when you're feeding, when you're nurturing someone, you're nurturing, loving, and feeding yourself. And Absolutely. that, you know, creates such an exchange. And when I first came across you, you and also, you know, Guru Jagat, because we all have this soul, we have a soul collective. Because <laughs> like literally when I met Guru Jagat, I was like looking at it was like, oh, yep, yep, I remember you. And then as soon as like you and I connected, I was like, oh, yeah, yep, that's my brother. I know him very well. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. This definitely isn't the first time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, there was uh, something I wanted to say just to backtrack a little about the, um, well, two things. One was about patience. Is one, I think the mind is so vast that sometimes we can see a part of ourselves, but then on the other side of our mind, there will be another part. So that's why I feel like patience is so important. You know, taking your time to even speak before you really just jump in through emotion, but just taking them a moment to be like, you know, what do I really feel? Okay, like one thought may appear and then it's like, okay, I see that. I, I you know, I respect that feeling. And then 
another one will appear and be like, okay, like this is more so what I feel, but allowing yourself that space to not immediately feel forced to just go directly into some sort of action, but really just being like, okay, like, let me take a moment. And I I remember reading about, um, reading the autobiography of Yogananda like a long time ago and reading about how Lahiri Mahasaya, the, the teacher of Yogananda's teacher, he would wait like three hours to talk. You know, you would ask him a question and he would just keep meditating and he would respond, you know, he so deeply take his time. And, you know, I really respect that. I don't think obviously we live in a very fast paced conventional sense, but to just to take that extra second to be like, you know, what am I really feeling? It's still valuable to us. And the other side too, I, I one thing that I really um, ask people to to do for themselves is to find a technique, you know, to find something that will really help themselves become more empowered, become more liberated, to really help build that freedom within themselves. And like I said, like, I really feel you. I, I, I'm not too into like guru consciousness or anything like that, but I do think that we should have teachers, you know, we should have guides, Absolutely. we should have someone who helps, helps us, you know, learn a technique of some sort and just give us, you know, the things that the tools that we need to really move forward in our journey. So I think that 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 distinction, though, it may be subtle, is really important, you know, because you don't want to live through someone. You want someone to help you live. Absolutely. I call them more mentors. You like a lot of times students want to train with me in shamanism. And I say, you know, they're like, oh, you're my guru. I'm like, no, I'm not your guru. I'm here to direct you to the power that lies within you and, 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 and with hopes that you'll even surpass me. You know, my, like the, 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 the energy or the, what I saw, I call like, you know, the direction of focus is really to be able to create leaders and be able to create more leaders, which will allow other leaders to be created so that we don't walk alone. You know, my aunt was a, a world famous opera singer and she wrote this book on her, her death. And it was, she's really amazing. You should take her, take a look at her sometime. Her name is Shirley Verrett. Listen to her music. She's amazing. She was the first black mezzo-sopranoist. But on her, her, she wrote this last autobiography and the name of it was I Never Walked Alone. And when, when she wrote that book, it really touched me deep because a lot of times people feel that they're alone on, on this world. And the thing is, when she said, I never walked alone, I know she was talking about God, but then I took it even to the fact of having you on the planet, having the tribe on the planet, having every person who's here to bring evolution and step into leadership. I'm starting to get emotional. Step into leadership and step into that space of seeing themselves with eyes of love, you know, Um, and really seeing those eyes of love, seeing how when they see upon themselves the eyes of love that they've been seeking from their husbands or their wives or their children or from the outside world or from their boss or their employee, but they actually see it for themselves. They look upon themselves with the eyes that they've been waiting to look upon them with, but they do it for themselves. And when they do that, it's looking in the face of God. And so mm-hmm. I, I, and I honestly believe like when I was talking about like loving like Jesus, I was like saying, you know, in shamanism, we have this belief that we don't need a book to tell us how to love God. We don't need rules to define how we're going to love God and what rules we're actually going to go into in order to love God. In shamanism, it's very simple. If it's created, it's loved. And so this is so when we, we know God by looking at the trees, by looking at you, by, by looking at the ocean, by looking at the rivers, the mountains, the sky, mm-hmm. the stars. 
we know who God is. We know God doesn't judge. We know God doesn't get into these very mundane things. We know that God doesn't operate in that very low density thinking because it's not possible. God could never create this tree or this ocean or this flower or the amazingness of you. Like when I look at you, I look at your shape of your face, your nose, your ears, your eyes, and you're like, oh, you know, it's just so wonderful. And, you know, and I, and, and so I feel like when we get back to that place, cause I feel like that's what's missing in society is that we're so distracted from this simplistic beauty. And that's what I love about your poetry because I go to your, I go to your um, Instagram page and I sit and I read your poetry and then I take it and I meditate on it. And then I send you love and I send you messages. Mm-hmm. And then I go back to it and I ask myself, what is, what is the message behind this poetry? What is, the, what is the lesson of love that is being demonstrated through his words for me to be able to open up new windows of perception of love, to be able to open up new consciousness? How do you think people can do that in their life? What, what would be your, what would you say to, to the tribe about how for people can get into that place of that simplistic love? That's the journey. I think a lot of the, of the answers, the most profound ones are very, very simple, like living and existing in the present moment. You know, it's the complexity of the mind that takes us away from truth. And, you know, all these accumulations, all these patterns that we've taken in, because something that I really um, like to let people know when I give talks in person is that a lot of the things we've felt in the past actually accumulate in our subconscious. So they'll they'll become a part of us. And it's actually the techniques that we do, the inner work that we do, that we actually allow these things to come up and be released. So one thing is definitely, you know, finding a technique that suits you. One way to know what's good for you is that you have to find something that challenges you without overwhelming you. Some things might be a bit overwhelming. And if it's too overwhelming, then you won't necessarily want to continue. But it's important to remember that, you know, Someone who runs a marathon, you know, they practice. And for this journey, it's a long one. Um, There's a lot to discover. You know, you literally have an entire universe inside of you. So to go through that journey, um, it's helpful to have tools and it's helpful to, to really, you know, just be okay and be patient with what's coming up. And um, I saw someone earlier mention um, in the stream of comments that they don't know if it's, if it's even working because sometimes they'll feel so intense. Well, Depending on, you know, depending on what you're doing, that's actually sometimes a really good sign is that the intensity, the intensity will come up. And I actually wrote about that today. Profound, deep things that have been buried inside of us will come to the surface with such clarity, almost like the first time we were feeling them. And it doesn't happen like that all the time. Sometimes the most deepest letting go happens in moments of profound silence. But in other moments, um, you know, there'll be a lot bigger and we'll feel the gross sensations of things coming up, that's pretty common. You know, that happens and that's part of the journey. So you're not, it's not always going to be bliss. You know, it's not always going to be, there will be a trajectory towards higher profound moments of happiness, but there will be other moments where it's like, okay, this is coming up and now, you know, let me be, let me be restful. Let me take care of myself. Let me be kind towards myself so that I can, you know, give myself the space I need to, release you know and have that that sort of security that you can give yourself that that real active self-love you know not just pleasure but giving yourself the things that you really need to be free absolutely and uh you know it was interesting uh what you're saying about that because 
you know, as in, in, in human nature, what I've, what I've learned about when you're a shaman, you start training at a very young age. And so you start getting a lot of this information from your elders at a very, very young age. And so your brain starts like going, okay, here are my friends doing this and this is how they're thinking. And I'm supposed to be observing life. And so when I spend time observing people, what I've noticed is that we are a culture of people who do not understand full spiritual sustainability. And what mm -hmm. I mean by that is that, you know, like when you were talking about um, taking that moment of patience and pausing um, and before going into that space, and what I call that is spirit hacking. And spirit mm -hmm. hacking to me is being able to be aware of the operating system and being able to know when to hack in and make some changes and when to mm -hmm. hack certain energies to shift in certain um, belief systems or to shift energy frequencies to lift you up, to bring joy, to bring happiness, to, you know, to, to elevate oneself. And when we get into sustainability, you know, we talk about it in as far as like, okay, sustainable living, sustainable building, sustainable, all of these things on the outside. But the true, the true understanding is sustainability and peace, sustainability and consciousness of love, sustainable love, sustainable health. And so what I found is that when I was growing up, I noticed that when I would go meditate in some place that was very quiet for like two hours or a couple hours, and all of a sudden I would get back into the regular world and I would be bombarded by all this data and all this input and all this, you know, loud sounds and things and whatever, I would immediately shift back into that place of stress. So right. I sat down and I thought, how am I going to maintain sustainable peace if every time I go back into this space and I lose it? Yeah. So I started yeah. meditating in that place of chaos. And so what I did was I, I, I meditated in chaos and I became the eye of the storm in that chaos. And so I learned how to bring myself into deep states of meditation while craziness was happening around me. So that way, when I went back into that world, all of a sudden I started feeling nothing of the, of the you know, loud fire engine sound, people screaming, this and that going on, whatever, doesn't even phase me. And right, right. And it makes me have sustainable peace. And people are always like, God, Derek, you're always at peace. You're always at this place of like joy. You're always at this place, whatever. And it doesn't seem to ever go away. And it's because I have gotten to a place where I started utilizing chaos as a way to become the eye of the storm within the, with as the tornadoes going around. I am the, I am the eye of the storm in that tornado and really creating that sustainable place of of foundation for myself and that's something that i really want to see more in people is realizing that if you really want to harness your powers it's not always going to feel good if you you got to meet the confrontation right. i always say that the confrontation is the is the excellence of of spiritual growth <laughs> that's beautiful thank you so much for that i think um the word i like to use to describe what you just so beautifully stated is um equanimity is, you know, mm. being able to really, and I feel like, you know how self-love was a big topic the past three years? You know, it's been exploded around the world. A lot of people are activating it in their lives. And I think uh, one of the next big ones is equanimity, is humanity coming to terms with even the possibility of equanimity. And equanimity, just to quickly define it, is it's actually, I remember Sadi Simone pointed this out to me the other day, that equanimity is actually a chemical in the mind that we can increase and develop. But equanimity is our ability to see something as it is without add, not adding any of ourselves to it, but really 
take in and observe the reality of the moment without having any intense cravings towards it or having any intense aversions towards it, but really just doing our best to objectively witness what's happening, you know, without throwing any ego onto it. And I think that's something that um, we can, as human beings, can really literally increase in our being and, and add to our life. And I think it's a really, really useful. And when we talk about, I love that you, you were taught using the word sustainability, because I've been using the idea of sustainable growth all the time when talking about the internal, because it really, you want to get to a point where your growth is sustainable, when you can literally weather the storms, because there will be ups and downs, you know, there will be ups and downs. And, and there should be ups and downs if you're going through this, you know, but what happens is how you deal with it when it happens, you know, understanding that tough moments, you know, they will pass away, understanding that good moments, they will pass away, you know, so not really becoming attached to either, but just understanding that, you know, what's best is calmness and clarity and, and really in, in all moments. Don't change everything at once. You know, and this is something that I learned from myself in the beginning was that, you know, when I first started, I was like, all right, like I'm going to change everything about how I eat. I'm going to change, you know, I'm going to start exercising all the time. I'm going to start, you know, reading all these books at once and I'm going to start meditating all the time. And, you know, everything at once, it's all, oh, it's going to be a whole new life, whole new Diego. And it was hilarious because you, you know, some people may be able to do that, but most of us are just going to crash into the weight of all this change that we're trying to commit to at the same time. And it was funny. It was really good to learn that because you're going to want to be able to pick a few things that you want to focus on. And, and I remember for me, it was um, something simple, like drinking water. I remember when I, when I really, really first started, I was like, I need to drink more water. And you know what? I need to exercise more. And I, need to, and I started taking superfoods and really just sort of balancing out the difficulties that were happening to me on the material bodily level. And mm -hmm. after that was when I started learning how to meditate. And I remember the difficulty of transitioning into being a daily meditator. You know, it was it was a lot. I had to meditate. I um two I meditate two hours a day, every day, one hour in the morning, one hour in the evening. And in the beginning, it was just, you know, it seemed like something <laughs> impossible. It seemed like a um, you know, like a really like Herculean effort. But after a <laughs> while, you know, focusing in on that, and it was funny because we, what you were saying really reminded me of when I started meditating two hours a day, I lived in a building where it was always loud night and day. It was always, always loud. So there was just no silence at all. So having to develop that equanimity in a situation where there was always external noise. But when I just focused on, on, you know, I need to start changing this part of my life, adding that meditative foundation to every day, focusing in on a few things, and then ultimately became a reality. It took a few months, but, you know, and now it's a part of me. And I've, you know, it's been like three years now, or it's been two hours a day every day. And it's been so, so helpful to have this uh, anchoring moment in my life on a daily basis. But yeah, oh, one more thing I wanted to say too was about the tools. You know, you know that you have a good tool, a good practice. If when the moments are really difficult, you're, you can sort of fall back on your tool. Because if you have something and you don't really feel like it's holding you up, you know, it's really lifting you up in those moments, then it might be time because, you know, different, different tools reach different layers of the mind. And sometimes we need something a little stronger because a lot of times we'll, you know, I remember when I started, um, when I first started my, my, my journey, I was doing a lot of energy healing and it really, really served me. But then after that, I felt like I was in a place where it was like, you know what? I let the energy healing go. And I was like, I just need to meditate. That's, that's what my insides were telling me. My intuition was just like, you know what, let it, let all that stuff go and just focus on your personal purification, you know, focus on purifying your mind. 
And, um, you know, at different moments in our, in our lives, we may need different things. So that's an important thing to realize. And, and you know, your tool is good if in those tough moments, it can really have your back and hold you up. Absolutely. And I, and I, and I, the way I formate tools is like actually they they become your powers, you know, because I say that, you know, my whole thing is that we're all, we're all superpower. We all have superpowers. So it's always mm-hmm. bringing that out. Like for me, a lot of my practices as a kid was to go into the darkest place, like turn off all the lights in the house, shut all the blinds, close all the curtains and be in pitch black. And then call forth anything in the darkness that needed to communicate with me. Um, so mm-hmm. I would say anything that's in this dark space right now, show yourself, present yourself, you know, and what would come up is fear in myself. And so I go, hi, fear. How's it going? You know, and I would <laughs> talk to fear and I'd be like, so why are you afraid right now? And then it would tell me because I have, I'm afraid something bad's going to happen or I have no control. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay. And I go, so is, so is control um, here with us too then? And then control would show up in the darkness and be like, yes, I am here. And like, why are you mm-hmm. doing this? You know, and it literally, I started having conversations in the darkness. And what it did was there was a point at one point where I even started playing with energy in the darkness, where I started literally seeing if I could create, generate light from my own body in the darkness so that I could see in the darkness. And I started Mm -hmm. doing it for years and years and years and years and years and years. And it literally became a part of my practice. And my elders were like, well, that's interesting that you're doing that because it actually shows what kind of shaman you are, what you come here to deal with. And I find that like whatever is your natural gravitation, you know, because everyone tries to follow these systems like like one of the systems that I really can't stand is like where everyone meditates and they always feel like they have to have their back straight and sit in this kind of like meditative position. And I always like, come on, you guys, seriously, like, is that the only way in which you can meditate? Like that may be good for someone, but like, as I always say, Odin hung, up, um, hung upside down from the tree and gained great wisdoms. And so I said, you know, for me, it's about what position is most um, able for you to feel that you're able to pull in and be present with yourself and connect. And I love what you said about taking the this you know not trying to do everything at once because i feel like in the very new age spiritual community there's all these rules that are being created on top of these spiritual things which is actually to me i'm just observing it and acknowledging it you know people creating rules of how things need to be done like these heart-to-heart hugs and how you're supposed to sit in meditation and if you're spiritual Mm -hmm. you should at least gone to india and if you're spiritual you know (laughs) you should have at least done a vipassana or you should have you you should be a vegan or you should be doing this and i think all of that takes away from that beautiful essence of transformation. I mean, even was talking to a woman yesterday and she's like, my husband's not it. My husband's not spiritual at all. I said, let's change your thinking on that. Is I asked, Mm -hmm. does your husband want to evolve? Does he show qualities of wanting to evolve as a human being? She said, yeah, then he's spiritual. Because we get so caught up in this, this paradigm of, it's kind of like the new social click. Like if you're doing these things, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's totally a new click. It's hilarious. Um, I like what you just said about that. I, I was I was saying this just this past weekend that the people that I really, especially, you know, I have my friends, but that I've grown up with friends from college, but then, you know, making in terms of making new friends, what I really like in people is 
not where you are or not what you're doing, but just that fact that you're open to growing, the fact that you're open to cultivating a different version of you. And I like what you were saying because I feel like obviously we should very much so respect the traditions that you know we're getting our tools from. And there are so many beautiful traditions, especially coming through from the East, from the global South, that we're gaining so much. You know, The whole world is really becoming deeply interconnected. But What's really important to realize is that this word spirituality, you know, what does it really mean? It just it just means getting to know yourself. It means learning love. It means understanding how to use your mind. Spirituality is not spirituality. It is just life. You know, it's just, it's just life. You know, I love you. Should, you should know how to use your mind. If you're a human being, the same way you know how to eat, how to exercise, you should have some sort of tools to help you process yourself, to help you grow, to help you grow in love. And I feel like that's really what's happening because, and at the same time, I say that, you know, we should obviously respect the traditions that we're getting these things from, but understand that this is life. This is not something special or different from life. This is like, you should know how to, use, how to, how to, um, how to grow, how to grow properly and effectively. And the other thing too, I like what you're saying because about, uh, about sitting meditation. And I, I, I personally do think, you know, sitting meditation has saved my life and, it's um it's been everything to me. But the Buddha himself, you know, the master of meditation, he he wanted to he wanted us to meditate in all in all positions, you know, laying down, walking, sitting, and just having that constant awareness and being fully present with yourself, you know, understanding the 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 changes of everything. But I feel you know I like when um that's one of the reasons why I like to go into tradition where you know he he advises us to you know sit as straight as we can, but it really it's take as comfortable a position as you can because no matter what, the position is not going to be comfortable for five, six, seven hours later. So you know, <laughs> exactly. do your best and you know, do the work as opposed to focusing how how you know how you're actually sitting up. Absolutely. And you know, when I was um, I don't know if you know, but when I was 28 years old, I suffocated to death and died um, from kidney failure in the hospital. And it's a lot, they write about it a lot in the press. And you know, one of the things and the reason why I'm sharing this is not to talk about that so much, because people can read about that about me in the press, but but what it was it, the interesting thing that I got when I died was when I went to the other side. And when I went to the other side, I had all these questions that they were like, do you have, do you have anything you want to talk about? Is there things you need to share? And I said, and I started, you know, firing off every human, you know, discord. Why is there war? Why is there pain? Why is there suffering? Why is there death? Why is there hierarchy? Why is there this? Why is there that? And the answer they came back to me with was, malfunction in thinking mm. and that was it there was no other explanation there was right. no um long drawn out conversation about it it was just malfunction in thinking and when i actually when the doctors finally resuscitated me for the sixth the sixth time in the hospital and then was able to induce me into a coma when i came out of that coma um months later my sister had you know my hands were doing this the whole time like shaking profusely but when I finally was able to hold a pen, my sister put a, a piece of paper down and I kept writing on the paper, malfunction and thinking, malfunction and thinking. And when I was able finally to get the breathing tube and I was doing the healing work on myself to heal my brain damage, I started really, you know, going to the mountains in Israel and really like meditating on this word malfunction and thinking. Yeah. And when, you know, you had said something about the fact about how you know, people are thinking, they're not thinking, they're not, that in order to, that spirituality is about, it's, a, it's, it's just us seeing the evolution in ourselves, just being in, in representation of evolution. 
And I, and one of the things that I always say to people is that our thinking and the way we speak. So if we're thinking in harmony and for our people, for our species, for our planet, for ourselves, we're thinking correctly. But if we're thinking against ourselves, this is when poverty consciousness comes in. This is when desecration comes in and degradation and uh, denial and lack of responsibility and not acknowledging what is the the, the, the necessary component to bring harmony through when conflict arises, all of these things. And so it was it, what you said, I had to share that and add that to what you were saying because it just totally. was just, mm, you know, when you have that wonderful taste of food in your mouth, you just, mm, and you just want to have another bite. I had to add a little bit onto our hors d'oeuvre that we just gave everybody with what you just said. Absolutely. No, thank you for sharing that. I mean, that's so important. I love that you said malfunction and thinking, and that's so beautiful that that's a transmission that you got because ultimately, I think a lot of the um, the wise people that have walked through this earth, you know, that's the same thing that they find is that the mind is sort of maneuvered through a series of delusions, you know, and how you said Maya, you know, like the, this this field of, of just delusion that we're sort of going through. And I think in my tradition, we call it Mara. You know, um, and, and Mara, just like there's so much craving in the mind. So the mind is so averse to being in the present moment that it just can't witness reality as it is. You know, it has no objectivity. And what it's so funny because what happens when you start working on yourself and you start releasing these very big chunks of um, patterns that you have in your subconscious that are sort of blocking your ability to live as happily as you can. And they start you start letting them go it allows your consciousness to have more space to exist. And then what is it that naturally innately emerges from the root of your consciousness is it's love, it's compassion, you know, it's goodwill. And it's quite beautiful how it's not something that you have to force. It's not something that you really have to cultivate. You know, I think there is a cultivation of inner peace, a cultivation of love though. I'm not sure it's more so getting everything out. That's blocking the love that is naturally flowing from within you. And that's really thinking properly. You know, when you can, you're a real leader when you're thinking through love. You know, you're a real like healer and hero when you're able to move through love. And that's that's difficult. You know, it's not, you know, because we're not we're not naturally trained in that way, but we can do the healing we need to do to really start, you know, living in that manner. And um, and it's quite beautiful because when you start releasing all these clunky, heavy, you know, clutter from the mind, you have so much more energy. You have so many more solutions. Your creativity shoots through the roof, you know, and that's it's not always going to be like that. Like we said, there's always ups and downs, but you will notice overall that you're so much more energized, even to the point where you may not even need to sleep um, as many hours as you used to. You know, before it may have may have been like eight or nine, and then it's like seven, and you're like you're good. I sleep three hours because you know three hours a night. Oh yeah, (laughs) that's fantastic. When we go, when I go away to meditation courses. you know, most people, like when you're meditating like 10 hours a day, it's just, you know, you're so energized and your mind's so clear that the amount of sleep that you need is just it's so little. It could be four or three, you know, some people none at all. And it's quite beautiful because the mind is just so immensely powerful when you do your spring cleaning, when you do your deep cleaning, you know, and really start sort of allowing yourself to really um, do what you need to do to be in the present moment. Absolutely. I am so, so what would, you know, I'm, first of all, I just want to say, I am so happy that we're together. 
you know, because I feel, I feel lit up when, when we're, to, when our energy is together, because I can feel mm-hmm. the symbiosis of like, just everything is just so wonderful. I can't even, I don't even want to put a word onto it because the word would actually limit what I'm actually feeling right now. So I'm not even going to give it a word. So let me just not even just say the word, but I'm just going to feel the greatness that I feel right now that it doesn't mm-hmm. have no words. Uh, what would you say to people right now who are looking at the world sees all the calamity, sees the stuff happening, sees the president, sees the this, you know, all the things that are you that, that are being given to us by the system to see. So we say distracted from ourselves. What would you say to the people in the world who are listening, who are experiencing, you know, what where we are yeah. today? What would you say to them? A few things. So my my first book is mainly about the individual, but my later books will be more so about about the world and how we can come together to do a lot of this collective healing. But there's a few things that pop into my mind. One is a quote by Jiddu Krishnamurti that I really hold in high, high esteem. Me too. It's, um, the inner creates the outer and the outer molds the inner. And I really feel this to be true, especially in the level that most of us are at. I feel that when, you know, you really fully reclaim your power, then it's primarily the inner creates the outer. But until then, it's a cycle. You know, the, the outer will mold the inner in some certain extent, especially when the mind, like you said, doesn't think properly. It is not mal- it's malfunctioning. But we have to understand that society is composed of individuals, right? And that the, the calamity and disharmony and the lack of balance that we see and witness, you know, in our world is a reflection of the collective human uh, delusion that's happening within all of us. You know, you can literally take all of our pain and add it together, and that is global pain. You can literally take all of our happiness and add it together, and that is global happiness. I think the transformation of our world and the secret to that is in the transformation of the individual. And I'm not saying that everyone has to become an enlightened being. It actually doesn't take that much for you to realize that when you harm another, you're harming yourself. Absolutely. So trying trying to lift humanity up to the point where enough of us to where we hit a critical mass where it's like, you know, so many of us have felt that, you know, it just does not benefit me whatsoever to harm you, to kill you, to take food away from you, to not share with you, you know? So understanding that and sort of doing that work within ourselves and really fundamentally understanding that when I harm another, I'm harming myself, but also sort of sharing those gifts, you know, sharing the tools that you have with other that you've gained that have helped you and allowing all of this uh, wisdom to spread, it's really, really going to help humanity forward. And then the other side of that is material, is that, you know, once we understand ourselves better, we'll be able to understand the world better. And then we have to become really active. You know, we have to build the new world. We literally have to build, you know, in a, in a way, really everything, you know, the um, new structures for us to share power in a circular format as opposed to a pyramidal format, you know, where right now everything's sort of shaped in a pyramid where all of the world is, you know, economics, power, it all moves upwards to a tiny little part of the the top of the triangle. And that's not really serving anyone, you know? So trying to shift the world into existing in circles. And that means from our power, our economics, our money, and to and literally our goods, you know, we have to we have to. I saw you post the other day about plastic straws, and I thought that was awesome, right? And um, but literally setting things up in a way where 
there's no waste. You know, everything's sort of cyclical in circles so that we can change. And now these are big abstract ideas. Of course, it's going to, it's going to take, you know, time to be able to really achieve that world that we want our children to live in. But it's absolutely doable. I mean, think about how much the world has changed. Think about where we were as a human, as a human, you know, collective in the year 1900 and where we are now. The transition is immense. So if you can imagine where we will be in the year 2100, and if we start enacting and sort of aspiring in particular directions, and a lot of us start thinking, you know what? I want to live in a world where there's no poverty. You know what? I want to live in a world where there's no waste. I want to live in a world where people have their material needs met so that they can do their inner work, you know, so that they don't have to focus on not being hungry and instead focus on, you know what, how am I going to cultivate my happiness? You know, so if we aspire in these directions, we'll absolutely need it. And I think what that means in the, in the now moment is continuing to do our own healing work, being wise about how we set up our businesses and being smart about, you know, who we elect. And also being bold enough to be like, hey, you know, even though these politicians may be in different parties, I want to choose someone that's actually going to bring something new to the table as opposed to the same neoliberal, you know, economic policies that just essentially disenfranchise everyone. So I think we need to be bold. We need to be courageous. And we really, really, really need to develop and grow our love. But I think we got it. I think we're going to be great. And I'm pretty excited to be you know, older and, and to talk to like, you know, the people who are around and I'll be like, well, you know, back when I was like in 2018, talking to Shaman Durek and, you know, all hell is breaking loose on the planet, but you know, we did it. So I definitely think we're going to be okay. We just, but we need to put in the effort and the work to, to get it done and, and build a new world that we want our children to live in. Absolutely. I definitely believe that it's all happening. We will be triumphant. We are triumphant. I mean, look at how far we've come already. And look at everyone who is here with us in this tribe, how much we've gone through in life and we're still here. And that's got to be celebrated, you know? That's like that in itself is like, you did it. Like you're still here. You're still breathing. You're still living. You're still here. So the thriving capabilities are just, just, outstanding you know they're endless and i when you know what i dream i dream of a world where when kids come to planet earth that they have more playtime. they have more time to be a kid they're not thrust yeah. into an institution that only operates with one side of the brain and doesn't operate with an emotional intelligence i think that the biggest problem we have on earth is the one that we are told that our creator can get mad at us or get upset with us, which creates immediately a separation within our own selves. And then two, the way we're thrusted into a school system, a sort of prison in a way, without being able to just have that time to be a kid. And then once you're, when we get to a place where the kid feels, okay, now I'm ready to integrate myself into um, more things, we take them to a place where they meet with these different elders who specialize in like, I deal with plants, I deal with music, I uh, deal yes. with, you know, math and, and calculus and all these other things. I deal with science, I deal with building robots, I deal with, you know, and then they get to choose mm-hmm. what they feel most in alignment with, with who they are, instead of us right, just right. forking it on them, like this is the way it is and this is how it has to be. And if you don't do it this way, you're considered a loser, a failure, you know, you're not going to succeed in society. All of that programming has created the deficit 
within people's self where they feel there's always something missing in them. And so now they have to constantly go out and fill it up with buying unnecessary things, you know, getting involved in things that actually really don't support the human spirit. And I would like a world that says, we welcome you and acknowledge you and see you. So you don't have to keep going out, trying to get seen and trying to get loved. You know, you're loved. Yeah. Oof. You're light. You're lighting me up. I love it. So good. I really, you know, I think there's been a big, um, I think a lot of people still fall into this delusion, but I think there's been a big shift, especially with the last decade, where a lot of people have come to the realization that buying things won't make you happy. And yeah. More than ever, more than, and I think that's why we've seen this sort of wellness explosion over the, over the past few recent years is that a lot of people are like, crap, like I, it doesn't matter how nice my stuff is you know, I'm still miserable. You know, That's what's right. going on? What's this malfun- malfunction in thinking that I have to repair? And it's it's not necessarily. So people are going out to seek, you know, therapists and shamans and meditation teachers and, you know, whatever it is that their, um, you know, their intuition is sort of guiding them towards. And I think that is so beneficial because that's sort of the next, the great leap forward is going to come from that, that springboard where people are just like, okay, so I can't buy my way to happiness but maybe I can feel my way to happiness. Maybe I can like observe myself enough to be able to like feel and get there, you know, cause I say that because um, a lot of people think that letting go is a very intellectual process, but I really, from, from what I've observed, you know, you can do a good amount of letting go through introspection, through thoughtful introspection, but a lot of letting go happens through feeling, you know, through really feeling what's there and, giving yourself that space to, to release because, you know, the, the thinking mind only, the thinking mind only really deals with the conscious level of the mind. And a lot of the heavy stuff is in the subconscious. And the only way to really get to the subconscious is through feeling. So when we, we can feel our way to happiness, not necessarily think our way to happiness. I love that. And can you tell everyone, because I know we're coming to the end of our show. Can you tell everyone how they can get your book, how they can get, you know, uh, what, do you have any, you know, uh, anything that you can let people know about your book and all the things that they can get to just fill their mind with goodness? You know, Derek, I can talk to you forever. I feel like (laughs) (laughs) just keep going. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, right. So I'm Young Pueblo. That's the name that I write under. It's, um, you can find me on Instagram at Y-U-N-G underscore P-U-E-B-L-O. And my book is Inward. Um, I recently released it in, I think, November of 2020. Yeah, last year, 2017. And um, you can get it through Amazon, through Book Depository, and a few places online. And yeah, you know, it'd be, it'd be great to hang out and it'd be great to serve more people. But thank you so much, Derek. I I have so much love for you and really reflect the same thing back to you. I think the moment I got the first text from you, I was like, wait, I love this man. Like, I love this guy so much. And um, I wish you the utmost success and so much beauty and wisdom. And may you be so happy and free. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much. I'm so honored by your words. They touch me so deeply. And I'm so honored for our tribe. And thank you so much for being on our show today. I really, really love you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. I love you. And thank you, too, to everybody who hung out with us. So much love to you all as well. Well, everyone, that comes to the end. And thank you. And have a wonderful day and celebrate you in every way. Goodbye.